listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Wednesday show for you. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Trey Lance trade to the Dallas Cowboys that I did not hit on yesterday, something that was pretty major in this trade that went down that I completely forgot to mention. We're going to talk about the ACC possibly adding Cal, Stanford, and SMU, why it might actually happen now. I'm going to break down the numbers behind that. TCU Colorado this Saturday is a fascinating college football game. Everything surrounding Colorado is fascinating in this upcoming season. And we're going to talk a little Seattle Mariners baseball as they continue to just absolutely roll. We'll get to all that momentarily. Now let's start in the NFL with the Dallas Cowboys acquisition of Trey Lance from the San Francisco 49ers. As I explained a lot in yesterday's podcast, it doesn't make a lot of sense on the Dallas Cowboy end. And it is kind of head-scratching, although the San Francisco 49ers are admitting, basically, um, we blew it. Now, while they say that, it seems like they did give up on him a little bit early. You know, three years into his career. Four starts in three years, and they basically said, no, the guy that we traded three number ones and a second-round draft pick for, we just don't think he has it. Because you wouldn't give up on him if he still thought he had it, but he was just suffering from injuries and whatnot. They clearly think he's not a starting quarterback in the NFL. Period. There's no other reason you would trade a guy like that. So why did the Cowboys pick him up? Well, that's the other head-scratcher in all of this, because as we went over yesterday... Trey Lance is, this will be year number four. Owner Jerry Jones even said yesterday, I don't plan on him. I don't want him essentially to be a part of the team this year in terms of I hope he doesn't have to be thrown in there because he doesn't know anything about the team or the offense. He just got here this past weekend. So to throw that guy in there and expect him to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys when he hasn't been with the organization and you've got a backup already in Cooper Rush that has proven last year going 4-1 and one when Dak got hurt in the first game of the year against Tampa, Cooper has proven he can win at the NFL level. So you don't need Trey Lance this season if you're the Cowboys. Well, he has a fifth-year option that is worth around $23 million dollars. Which, why would you take that if you're not going to have him as your starter? Nobody's paying $23 million to a backup quarterback. So that's why it doesn't make any sense. Unless their plan is, and they're certainly not saying it, unless their plan is privately, we're getting rid of Dak after this year. Or we want to have the ability to get rid of Dak after this year. Seems like a stretch. Dak's going to be $60 million against the Dallas Cowboys cap next year. He's got a no-trade clause. So the only thing that they can do is either extend him by giving him more years and extend out the money so he doesn't cost $60 million against the cap next year, or he goes into next year as a dead duck quarterback and he's on a the last year of his deal making $60 million. And I don't think the Cowboys would be stupid enough to do that. So... That's why this thing doesn't make any sense. On top of all of that, when the story came out over the weekend, Jerry Jones admitted he didn't tell Coach Mike McCarthy and he didn't tell head coach, or he didn't tell Mike McCarthy, the head coach, and he certainly didn't tell Dak Prescott, the quarterback of the team, 
oh, by the way, I'm going out and getting Trey Lance. I mean, this is just par for the course for the Dallas Cowboys organization. It's a reason why this organization has won five playoff games since 1996. It's a reason the Cowboys are only one of two organizations in the NFC that has not reached the NFC title game since 1996. Don't even talk about World Super Bowls. They haven't even made it to the NFC Championship game since their last Super Bowl appearance, since their last Super Bowl win. It's that bad. Five wins. They are 5-11. and 11. You'll be hearing this stat from me all season long because I'm going to drill it into your heads that I know the Dallas Cowboys, America's team, and they got a flashy offense, and they got all this, and they got all that, and this is going to be their year. It's, it's really hard to shake literally 28 years of futility to just turn it around and, you know, win a Super Bowl. Maybe you can say they're on the right track because they have had back-to-back 12-win seasons heading into this year. They hadn't won back-to-back double-digit wins in back-to-back seasons since the Super Bowl year in 96. So maybe you can say they're on the right track. But then you got that giant stat that has, what, a 57-game sample? How many Super Bowls have there been? 57? A 57-game sample of Super Bowl winning coaches. No coach in NFL history has won a Super Bowl with two different teams. Mike McCarthy's already won one with the Green Bay Packers. Is he going to be the first guy to ever do it? I will side with no. But the fact that this organization didn't bother to tell the head coach or the quarterback of the team, we're going to get Trey Lance... I heard Dak's response, and Dak gave a very team-oriented, diplomatic response of, well, you know, I'm, nothing surprises me in this business. You know, I'm going to welcome in as a teammate. Come on. If you're Dak, you're thinking to yourself, what the fuck? Not that, I mean, look, it's on Dak. If he doesn't play well this year, that's on him. And anytime you don't play well, you have the ability to lose your position, whether it's in NFL or Major League Baseball or NBA. So it's everything's on him. But I think him just not even being notified that they were interested in getting another quarterback doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But this is typical for this organization. They just do weird shit all the time. All the time. Jerry Jones just kind of runs his own thing. And while Jerry Jones is a self-made man, and while Jerry Jones is a multi-billionaire, and he runs the most successful franchise in all of sports, Dallas Cowboys, the guy is a loose cannon. And the guy refuses to hire a general manager, has made himself the general manager, and because he knows that if they ever do happen to you know, fall into a Super Bowl championship, he wants credit for it. And it's just amazing because he's not a scout. He's not a break-down-the-tape guy, you know? It's just, it's laughable, especially out here. I mean, people, as much as you love Jerry or whatever, name another owner who is as involved with his team as he is. 
you know? For a while there, he used to go down to the sidelines in the fourth quarter. We all remember that back in the 90s. That was just embarrassing. But there isn't another owner in all of football that has his own press conference at the end of every game. Media surrounds him at the end of every game. Why? Why is he talking before the head coach talks? You know, it just, there's so many things. But that's why they're unsuccessful. That's why they're 5-11 and 11 in the playoffs since 1996. And until things change, it's very hard to be like, yeah, this team is finally going to get over the hump. They've got a very good offense this year. They've also got a lot of good players on defense. But I don't think they have the leadership in the higher-ups and in the coaching ranks on this team that's going to ever be the ones that put them over the top. I just don't see it. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but I've got 28 years of proof of it. So, come at me, bro. (laughs) So, with all the college football realignment happening, the newest one is that the ACC is going to pick up two of the Pac-12 teams and SMU. Cal, Stanford, and SMU possibly going to the ACC. Right now, there are four teams that are against it in the ACC pretty much the biggest four names in the ACC. North Carolina, Miami, Clemson, Florida State. When those school presidents take a vote of whether or not they want three three teams in, one of those four has to flip. And right now, there's no evidence that that they're going to flip. However, according to the latest reports, SMU is basically saying, Basically, we want to play with you guys so bad. We're like the we're like the little kids, we're like the younger brothers that want to play with the older brothers so bad. SMU is saying, "We will go to the ACC and we won't take any media rights revenue for about 7 to 9 years." <laughs> we want to go to your we just let us in. And can at Stanford and Cal would only take 30% of the distribution, which is about 8 million dollars each. But if they add three teams, ESPN, which has the contract with the ACC, and, you know, at 30%, that means basically every team's getting about 26, 27, or 20, $28 million, something like that. So if 12 teams are getting $28 million and you add three teams, well, that's another 56 and, you know, $84 million. SMU gets none of it. And. Stanford and Cal only get $8 million each. So that's basically $70 million now that will be divvied up to the other schools if they invite them in. So now that's why it's more enticing. Because it's like, why would the ACC want Cal and Stanford and SMU? Because of the concessions that those three teams are willing to give up. SMU says, we won't take any money for the first seven years. No media money. But yet, if a new team comes in, ESPN will have to pay that new team, or that's $28 million, whatever whatever the other team is making. And Cal and Stanford are only getting $8 million of that $28 million. So you take that $28 million times three, which is $84 million, take away $16 million, that's $68 million going. That's more money to the teams. Now, the other thing that's fighting back is those four schools that are abstaining right now 
from saying yes to allowing them in, UNC, Miami, Clemson, and Florida State, they're still saying, look, we think it's unfair that we have to get, we bring in, you know, our name value brings in more money than a Duke in football. Why are we getting the same amount as Duke? It's a fair, it's a fair argument. I'm sorry, Florida State football is bigger than Duke football. Who cares who's won on the field? It's just a bigger name and it always has been. Duke's only been good recently. Florida State's up and down, but they were, you know, a powerhouse for a long time. Clemson, obviously, the class of that conference pretty much wins it every year. North Carolina become a lot better since Mac Brown came back. Miami they're decent, but the name value of those four schools, when you think of the ACC, those are probably the first four schools that come to name, come to mind when you're talking about football in the ACC. So they're basically saying, yes, we understand there's more money coming in, but why do we have to split it evenly? Shouldn't it be based on performance, television ratings? That's what they're saying. So I don't know if it's going to pass. I don't know if one of those four is going to flip. The only way those three teams, Cal, Stanford, and SMU, are getting into the ACC is if UNC, Miami, Clemson, and Florida State flip their vote. Because all four of them, the first time around, have said no. But now SMU is coming back and say, hey, we won't take any money for seven years, maybe even up to nine years. And Cal and Stanford only getting 30%. Maybe that entices them more. I'm not sure. The vote was supposed to happen on Monday, but then the tragic shooting on the campus of North Carolina has pushed that back. I don't know when the vote's going to happen, if it's happening later on this week or what, but that's what they're looking at. So, (laughs) I mean, just uh, conference realignment is just weird in and of itself. We've talked about this and it's just, yes, it is bizarre to see USC and UCLA in the Big Ten and Oregon and Washington going to be in the Big Ten, all that stuff and Arizona State and Arizona are going to be in the Big 12. Yes, it's weird. But Cal and Stanford in the ACC, to me, that's about as weird as you can get. That's the weirdest to me. <laughs> just Because neither of those schools are really good at football or basketball. This is strictly money. They would only be allowing them in so they could basically steal their lunch money. That's all they want them in for. They don't care about them. They don't care about starting any rivalries. Cal and Stanford are irrelevant. In the college football world, at least for the last few years, and college basketball world, neither of them do anything in basketball either. And the ACC, what do they do? Put seven, eight teams in the tournament every single year? They're only allowing them in to steal their money. (laughs) It's just, but this is where we're at in college football now. Money talks and bullshit walks. All right, let's talk this Saturday's game. Big noon kickoff on Fox. TCU and Colorado. TCU coming off the incredible season, undefeated in the regular season. Then they lose in the Big 12 championship to Kansas State. They beat Michigan in the semifinal of the college football playoff, then get boat raced by Georgia 65-7 in the national championship game. Colorado, on the other hand, 1-11, averaged 15 points a game and averaged giving up 45 points a game. Worst Power 5 school in all of college football last year. So what do they do? We want to do an overhaul. Let's bring in Deion Sanders, who, when he went to Jackson State, dominated. So what does Dion do when he comes in? He says he's got luggage, and it's all Louis. So he basically got rid of everybody but 10 players who were on the Colorado team last year. 71 players have exited the program 
since Dion took over, and they brought in 53 new players. So, as I brought up yesterday, anyone who says they know for sure Colorado's going to be horseshit or Colorado's going to be better doesn't know what they're talking about. We don't know. It's a guessing game. But for me, I think going to one to four wins because their win total is three and a half, and I'm looking at the over on Colorado three and a half wins for the year, I'm fine with that. I think going from one to four wins is an improvement, and Dion's going to improve this team. I could be dead wrong. Maybe they win two games. Shit, maybe they win three, and they just can't get to that fourth. But I think they're going to be competitive. Obviously, we'll know more after Saturday's game. And and even after Saturday, I don't know how much I would judge it just based on one game. I mean, and I wouldn't just look at the score. Obviously, I'm going to watch all four quarters of that game. And I'm just going to see the talent level out there because he's brought in some talent. They had no talent last year. That's why they were 1-11 and the worst Power 5 team in college football. He's got talent out there now. His son is the quarterback, Shador Sanders. Travis Hunter is one of the best two-way players in college football. They've got talent now. So, you know, what do you do? I can tell you right now, I will probably bet them plus 20 and a half. They will be one of my three teams in my three-team ten-point teaser in college football this week. I'm teasing them up to 30 and a half. I I just don't think – I mean, TCU, while they were undefeated in the regular season last year, I believe had seven or eight one-score games. And they've lost their quarterback, they've lost their top running back, and they lost their top receiver. I just just don't see TCU coming out and beating Colorado by 31 points on Saturday. But can it be in the 17 to 24 range? Sure. That's why, while I will take it at 20 and a half – And you got to remember, live betting is now a thing. Because if you have a bet and it's going south right away, you could always get out of that bet by betting the other side and just kind of realizing, oh, crap, I need to get out of this and somehow hedge. I don't know if I'm going to do that, but I'm just saying, I'm going to watch this game and I'm not just going to pay attention to the final score. I want to see what Colorado has out there and if they have talent. Obviously, the season win total bet, I got to put in before Saturday, and that can't change. I mean, if if they come out and they look horrible and they look completely outmatched, then, you know, I'm probably looking at a loss on that for the season bet. But something tells me they're going to be better than a lot of people think. Hell, I heard one of ESPN's top analysts for college football say on the radio yesterday he would take the under in three-and-a-half wins for Colorado this season Every day of the week and twice on Saturdays. <laughs> I mean, so I look, I'm going up against I, I think I'm going up and it and it's why they're 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 plus money on the over. Nobody thinks they're gonna win four games. Everyone thinks they're gonna win, you know, one, two, or three. And I don't. I have faith that somehow Dion's gonna turn this thing around. They've got better players, and once you get into Pac-12 play and you got your Washington States and Arizonas, they can beat those teams. Not that Washington State isn't good. I mean, Washington State's good this year, but I'm just saying. And I think that they might surprise. Not that they're going to beat TCU, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll just see. 
And let's end it with this. The Seattle Mariners have been pretty ridiculous in the month of August. First off, let's just say this. Seattle Mariners have won 20 games this month in the month of August. They've never won 21 games or more in a month. Now, as I'm recording this, they are currently losing. So they might come back and win, but they still have one more game today. If they lose, uh, if they lost last night, they might come back. Uh, they might. Uh, they have one game left in the month of August. So they could possibly win and get 21 wins in this month. But they've won going into last night four straight, 12 and one in their last 13 games. Um, you know, uh, Julio Rodriguez is on an absolute tear. Just in his last 10 games, Julio Rodriguez has 28 hits. That's the most in a 10-game span by anybody in baseball since 1997. And that mean, that also includes five games in the last 10 where he had at least four hits. That's never been done since 1900 to have five four-hit games in a 10-game span. So this team is on fire. However, if by the time you listen to this, they had already lost last night's game, they'd be in a three-way tie in the AL West with the Rangers and the Astros. I mean, that's how close the race is. Now, there's a good chance the Mariners, Rangers, and Astros all make the playoffs. So it won't really matter who wins the division other than one of them could have the ability. One of them is going to get a um, a first-round bye because the number one and number two seeds of the division winners in each league get buys in the first round of the playoffs, so that's a huge advantage. And the buy is not coming from the AL Central. It's coming from the AL East or the AL West. So, yes, it would benefit one of these teams to win their division, but it's a very good possibility the two teams that don't win the division in the AL West are still making the playoffs. Right now, if the season ended today, they would. So, um, going to be an interesting, interesting stretch run in the month of September uh, what goes down with the Texas Rangers, the Seattle Mariners, and the Houston Astros. And as I've told you a few times on the Daily Roundup, or excuse me, on the Sports Daily, since January when I started this, I put in one baseball season win total. Over-under wins in baseball, and that was the Texas Rangers. I bet them over 82.5 wins. And they are 75 and 57. So they need to go 8 and 22 the rest of the way for me to win my bet. I think I'm pretty secure there. I also have a little bit on them to win the pennant and to win the World Series. Those are probably a long shot, but that's why I bet them. Because you know me, I always like taking about a 15 to 25 to 1 long shot to win it all in football and baseball every year. So that's what I'm looking at. Hey. You just got to get into the playoffs, and then anything can happen. So uh, it would be cool, certainly, if they won the pennant and won the World Series. But I don't know right now if their bullpen is good enough. That bullpen is going to scare the shit out of me every time they have to go to it in the playoffs. And it probably will be their downfall in the playoffs. Um, But their offense, while it has struggled for the last 12 games or so, um, I know they have the ability to hit the ball. They did it for four months to start the season. It's just recently they've kind of slowed off. So 
we'll see what happens. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also, rate and review if you can. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know about it. And, yeah, we're going to keep this thing going. And, like I said, a lot of football talk heading into the season. More college football talk tomorrow. Uh, look, Probably looking at more, more of the games this weekend in college football on the schedule. We've got a full schedule of college football games. So tell everyone about it. Let them know. You'll be the apple of their eye if you do. I, I promise you. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.